Hi, this is Kale Ward. This is Jessica Button. Ordering ocelots out of outhouses is not a good idea. Welcome to Gone Global. Hmm. All right. I quite like that one, actually. A little bit of a uh, li- little bit of life advice of from uh, Gone Global headquarters uh, this morning. Uh huh. It is morning. Yes. Uh, this episode's a little weird because we've, with the movie episodes, we've had to kind of break it up a little. Yeah, because. But... I can't even remember what it's called. Thingy Luke. <laughs> uh, cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke. We did, uh, this week we did, we watched uh, Spice World. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're about to talk about that. And Cool Hand Luke, I know what we're about to talk about. Don't you tell me. <laughs> I'm in charge of this company and I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. Fair enough. Have you learned anything this week? We're not talking about that, remember? <gasps> oh, yes. You're the idea person. I know. <laughs> I've had a lot going on this week, all right? <laughs> I got on the wrong train and forgot to speak with my best friend because I've been working so hard that my brain is fried. Uh, so, what were you doing when you were 20? Because this is our 20th episode. The podcast is 20 years old. Wow, such old. It's miserable and going through its first existential life crisis. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, so that's what you would do when you were 20. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, Global. You're gonna hate it. Uh, yeah, so when I was 20, I was in Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, or more specifically, I was in Moorhead, Minnesota, mm-hmm. where I was going to school at the Minnesota State University at Moorhead. Um, 20, I was probably, probably still working at Johnny Carino's, mm. which is an Olive Garden-like... Italian? Italian okay. restaurant, yeah. Um, just trying to fake my way through school and pretend yeah. I cared or knew what I was doing. Uh, see, so I was also at university when I was 20. I was in Paris. I was three months into my second year when I turned 20. Um, and that actually was the point that I was like, oh, I should maybe do some work because I spent my first year not really doing a, my, a lot of work. My my. F- Basically, my first year and a half at school was, I was just in a fog of a whole new life away from home trying to figure it out. And I think that's kind of what first year is. Like, for us, each year counted, but first year was like 10% of your full grade or something. So I think they knew that. I think they knew that you kind of needed the time to adjust. And for us, you know, we were living in a different country and speaking a different language and stuff. So it was... It was quite an adjustment period, eh? But yeah, at, at 20, I sort of, you know, figured out that I needed to do the work and sat down a bit more to work it out. And I had also moved in with some friends in second year, whereas in first I was in a studio and I, was a, I wasn't isolated because we hung out, but I lived alone. Actually, 20 might have been when I was alone uh... in, in my studio. Hence the existential crisis. Yeah. I had, all I had were DVDs of Seinfeld, Psych, Mm -hmm. and Dexter. Mm. Um, Man, I had a full collection of DVDs. I took them all with me. Oh, I had them all. I just didn't, there's nothing else worth watching. Yeah. Um, No TV, no internet. Uh Uh-oh. You didn't have internet. Not at, no, not at this this flat. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, no. Yeah, that's bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was... It sucked. Yeah. Things got better, though. Eventually. Yeah. We have our own house now. Um. With internet ten, and TV. Ten years later. Yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, how, how did you end up in Paris? Um, so I... I applied to different universities. Um, I actually really wanted to go to Cardiff University, which is Mm. the capital of Wales in the UK, simply because that's where they filmed Doctor Who. And I was big into it at the time, and I wanted to work on Doctor Who, and that was my big dream. 
So I wanted to go to Cardiff. Um, and I think it was one of my French teachers that told me about the, my university, which is called the University of London Institute in Paris. So it's technically a British university. It's just in Paris. So I was like, okay, I'll apply. That sounds fine, but I'll probably never get it. And then I got an interview and then I passed the interview really well. And I was like, hmm, all right, maybe I want to go to Paris. Yeah, I feel like you always say stuff like this. Oh, I'll never get it. And like, you're tremendous. Why would <laughs> why would anybody not give you anything? Well, there's a wider conversation about imposter syndrome and being sure. a woman yeah, and of course. blah, blah, blah. So, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't ever actually my like big dream to go there. It just kind of happened, and then it was the best thing that ever happened. It was great. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the three years, I was ready to move on, because Paris can be quite an unforgiving city. Yeah. It's quite lonely. Absolutely. It's, you know, a lot happens on the streets there that isn't very nice. Yeah, and... yeah. I, I felt very similarly about my time in New York. Mm, yeah, exactly. So similar sort of thing, really. Just a big city with lots of people and lots of things going on and bad things happening. And you know, not not specifically to me, but just in general. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to. It can be hard to sort of separate yourself yeah. from that when you're living it every day. Yes, definitely. Living, living sort of in it and around it. But you know, sev- several of my friends did stay there. Like I have. My my best friend from that time, Jenny, she she lives there and she's been there for ten years now. She's just had her the citizenship interview to be French. Mm. Which is really cool. Um I this was also the year my twentieth year was also the year I got a Disneyland passport. And me and my friend Jay used to go to Disneyland most weekends. Which was a lot of fun. Amazing. Because, yeah, we got the passport and then it, it got you unlimited entries for the year. And then uh, we had train passes that were like student passes mm. that were dezoned essentially at the weekends. So you could go anywhere in the Paris region for free. So we got to go on the train for free. We got to go to Disneyland for free. It was excellent. What a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty good. Is there a... Uh... A ride in, or I, I guess, is there, it's been long enough, I guess, but was there a ride that you could go on at any any point in time and it would never lose its... Uh... Space Mountain. Space Mountain 2, in fact. Okay. I love that ride. It's on a roller coaster, but you're going through space. It's great. <laughs> I've never been. <gasps> we have to go when we go at Halloween. I went, uh, is it the Guardians of the Galaxy ride now? Or is, it, or is that made no. over now? Yeah. No. I think, I think in California it might be the... Oh, uh, no. I don't take Space Mountain Guardians away. of the Galaxy. So an- another story. So my parents came out and saw me. And we went to Disneyland um, in the in the summer of Farshi. So this was before I was 20. Uh, you told me this story before. It was weird. They, pr- they told you that Marvel and Disney were going to merge. And they bought the... The rights and the whole thing was gonna. Anyway, um, me and my brother went on Space Mountain, sort of at the evening, and nobody else was there. And we went on it, and we came back around, and you know, Disneyland queues are normally like an hour or whatever right. to queue. But there was nobody there, so we'd get off the ride, we'd run back around, go on it again, and we did it four times. Yeah. And I get really sick on rides, but uh, I still did four times but, in a row. But not on Space Mountain. Uh, no, mm, it's different because it's all it's all pitch black. Sure. So you're inside a building, and then it, it has like planets and things floating around you, and it's all projections. Mm. But I think maybe because you can't see that you're moving. I, I don't get quite as sick on that one, which is also maybe a reason mm. why I like it so much. Sure. Because it's a roller coaster, but it's not the the effects of a roller coaster. Anything else that you were doing when you were twenty? No, my twenties sucked. Mm. Like there's no, there's no, nothing for me to talk yeah. about. They were terrible. All right, fair enough. It didn't it didn't pick up for me until about uh, twenty two or twenty three mm. when I did my 
trip to Oxford and mm. then went around Europe and yeah. steered the course of my life. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Gun Global. Here's to another. At least 20. Yeah, we could do another 20. All right. Ready to talk about our movies? I guess so. Let's get into Spice World. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. You are part of a cultural icon. (laughs) (laughs) You are welcome. I I caught myself in the middle of that doing, making faces that I I don't even like. I've sat through, (laughs) I've sat through a lot of math classes in my time. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't think I've ever been so stumped. (laughs) I know, like, we. I think we were both taking notes during this film, but yep. I wrote down at one point, I have no idea what the plot is anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that is Spice World. In all its glory. And you, you know what? I was like, I'm going to watch this and it's going to be so terrible because it's been many, many years since I've watched it, but I have watched it multiple times because I loved it. I loved the Spice Girls when I was younger. Um, but, and I was like, oh, it's going to be so, so bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Like, it was cringy, but I actually enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it. So, okay. You laughed out loud several times. I enjoyed, Excuse you. I enjoyed <laughs> three seconds of it, I guess. <sighs> it's, it's very much a product of its time. When did it come out? 97. No, it's not. <laughs> No, it's very much not. But I mean, we've talked about this before, how the standards, like our 90s stuff is terrible. That's true. I'll give you that. We've talked about that a lot. Like, that was what it all was. Really. I want to, I just watched, this movie made me think of uh, Good Burger. I don't know what that is. So um, there is a uh, a sketch comedy show on Nickelodeon called All That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1997. Sketch comedy show on All That, uh, on Nickelodeon called All That. And there's a, it was a recurring bit about a fast food restaurant called Good Burger. Okay. And so in Nickelodeon's, Wealth and Wisdom, they made a film about this restaurant uh-huh. starring Keenan and Kel. Yeah, of course. And so I watched it a lot as a kid. It came in like, or the Nickelodeon cassettes were all orange because mm-hmm. it's Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this film. I love all that. Um, it probably shaped my sense of humor. Mm-hmm. That movie was made in 1997, and mm-hmm. it has, it's dumb. It's dumb as heck. But it has a cohesive narrative, and like... So does this. Does it? Okay, yes. by all means, tell me what it was. Because so, I couldn't find it. So it's actually very meta. It's, um, so the the main plot of the theme of the film is that the... They, you know, doing rehearsals for this big show that um, is going to be broadcast live around the entire world, which I don't think has ever happened in real life. Uh, so we'll pass over that. But they're kind of, they're, they're getting stressed that they're, you know, are they going to be these personas for their lives? Um, and then they have a fight with their manager and they're like, well, fine, we won't do the show then, blah, blah, blah. The side plots of these is that there's filmmakers wanting to make a movie about the Spice Girls and they joke and that's like side plot. Like that's not main narrative. Apart from the bit where the guy's describing the the bus chase and how it jumps over the... The bridge. The London Bridge. Yeah. No, sorry, um, Tower Bridge. Um, and all of that. That is when the the fake film story becomes reality. Okay. That's it. <laughs> it's not that complicated. Uh, boy. 
I think you're giving it a lot of credit. I I really was genuinely surprised at how much I still enjoyed it. Like it is terrible, but it's always been terrible, and it. I I laughed. I found it funny. I I got a lot more of the references that they do now. Did you? Yes. Okay. Uh, go ahead. So, for instance, Roger Moore is the the chief behind the yeah the band whatever. Who was James Bond? Right. Is um, he just one big Bond villain reference? Like, is that? I mean, there's multiple James Bond things in in what he does and says. Um, so he he said he says, um, "Oh, we shouldn't stare it up." As he has a martini in his hand, shaken, not stirred. Didn't catch that. What What's the James Bond reference? Damn, holding a pig. Um, I don't know, but there is one. Something about James Bond and yeah. sexualizing women, I guess, or because he's a pig. No, no. <laughs> What do you make that sound for? Because <laughs> I didn't think about like it like that. Um, it made me lose my place. <laughs> so the uh, before we jump back in, since we're on the we were on the film stuff just a second ago. So the the producer, the guy who is is uh, between the Spice Girls manager and the writer or whatever. That was George Went. Yeah. And he's Norm from Cheers, and that's like his yeah. big famous role. Yeah. In every film or piece of media I see him in, I like to think of it as just an extension of Cheers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, a bit of a six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's kind of like, oh, what wacky adventure is Norm up to this time? Mm. Yeah. That's good. It's funny that you you kind of hone in on that because there are so many cameos in this. Yeah. It's like every famous British person from the nineties. Like you have Stephen Fry in there. You have Hugh Laurie. You have Elvis Costello. I would also point out. I would also just like to take a second to point out that uh, Hugh Laurie, his character, and I looked this up, was Hercule P- yes. Poirot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That- that's all. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's just them having like little daydreams, and they put it into the film. Like that's it. That that's not an unusual thing to do in films. Like, look at Scrubs. That's all that is. I think you're being unnecessarily harsh on it. I think you're being far too forgiving. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, did you also get the reference that? Um, and this one was actually like, oh my goodness, this is this is for our time, even though it's ridiculously old and outdated. Um, the the newspaper mogul trying to bring them down and break them up and cause trouble and everything. Did you get that that guy had an Australian accent? Let no, me I didn't. let me let me ask you the question: Who's oh. got an Australian accent in the British media? Rupert Murdoch. Okay, that's who I thought it was. Yeah, okay. that that is a. I am pretty sure that that's a whole reference to that. Because he he's in charge of the Daily Mail. Uh I don't even remember the Sun. Okay, I think because the paper in this one was called the Daily Event. Yes, but you know that's just a a joke yeah, name yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And and like it had the font of the sun. Though, yeah, yeah. Um, but so that was kind of a, a commentary on media, and I found that actually really good and really interesting to see how that's aged and how much worse it's got. Because they also do a bit about um, they ask Jerry Halliwell if she likes boys, and she goes, "Oh, is the Pope Catholic?" And then it's like media sensation that Jerry Halliwell doesn't know the Pope is Catholic, and that's exactly what happens these days. And it's like that what. What? And they get all experts to talk about it. And, yeah. oh, well, of course the Pope is Catholic. And I was just like, ooh, wow, okay, that's a. That has gotten way worse since 1997. So I found that was really interesting. Okay, what else What else do you want to say about it? 
Um, so there were 16 songs in this hour and a half movie. Yep. So that puts it at 5.8 songs. I don't math. Do you, do you mean there's a song every 5.8 minutes? That's what I mean. Okay. That's okay. exactly yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a song about, it's a film about a band. Yeah. Like, do you not expect that? That's a lot. Because they are not actors. Let's, you know, well, tell it like it is. They are not. They are no good. But they are singers. Like, that's what a whole band film is about. And it also reminded me of, and maybe I'll make you watch this one day, but I don't think I'll torture you with it because it, it's not so special to me, whereas Spice World is extremely special to me and formed my childhood a lot. Um, but it reminds me of um, the Beatles film that they essentially did the same thing. It was a film about not much really, mm. but just was their songs. Um, it's called A Hard Day's Night. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, I wonder how those would compare because I see it as kind of like a exportation strategy because a lot of British bands, like, to make it big, you have to make it Even in America. Oh. Well. <laughs> no, you have to make it in America. And I sort of wonder if having these films is a way oh, of exporting sure. it to America. and Yeah. I heard uh, in the first three minutes of this film, I kid you not, I heard more Spice Girl songs than I had heard. Yeah, I know. I don't need to do a music episode ever now because you've heard all the songs. It was great. And I think maybe that's why I I like it so much. Um, Hold on. I did find some trivia on IMDb about the Beatles. Yeah, okay, so the movie, which does follow a similar style to the Beatles movie A Hard Day's Night in 1964, has the tagline, you say you want a revolution. Now, this is the line from the 1968 Beatles song, Revolution. Okay. Say you want a revolution. That's a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the the whole thing about the Spice Girls was girl power and revolution of... 90s feminism which has moved on a whole lot since then but at that time it was huge and it was a revolution of actually having female leads okay okay you know and like the conversations they have we are still having those conversations today Mm. and i find that really interesting i find it interesting watching it as an adult and a pretty militant feminist and kind of you know you see how how far we've come since then but that there is a lot in there Mm. um okay so i have do you have any more notes or anything um i just saw in your notes like at two minutes you said i already can't do this so great (laughs) oh there's (laughs) there was uh, a, f- a film shoot montage where sporty sporty spice says i'm so sporty mm-hmm. and then posh spice says i'm so posh that's all i just wanted to point that out oh oh you've completely misunderstood that scene it's the mold- oh gee i wonder <laughs> why it's them all dressing up as each other oh boy <laughs> So um, I listen. Hang on, I wasn't. Do- I watched the movie. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. Like you saw, I, the only thing I was doing was typing notes. Yep. That wasn't them. So the whole point of that scene, let me educate you, oh, is that because they're having identity crises of oh, when we're in our forties, are we still going to be known as these personas and posh spice and sporty spice and all of that? So in this photo shoot, when they're tired of being told what to do and how to pose, they all dress up as each other and do like a parody of each other. That's why they're all acting stupid. Cause it's so it's it's Jerry in Sporty's clothes. It's Emma in Scary Spices. Um, it's Victoria in Jerry's clothes, and it's. 
No, it's Mel C and Jerry are swapped around and then Victoria was Emma's close baby spices. You just... Everything you just said to me explains why I didn't realize what was happening in the film. Yeah. I don't know who any of these yeah. people are. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, there's a lot more in the movie than you give it credit for. I I think it, it has a lot, but... Well, well I, I definitely like that it uses the trope of uh, Chekhov's pregnancy. If someone shows up pregnant in the first act of the film, they will fire the baby out of the woman by the, yeah. the end of the yeah. film. And the woman's Tosh from Torchwood. I think that was her first role. Really? Mm. Her first, like, uh, film yeah. role? Yeah. Or just in general. Surely not. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, would you like to hear some trivia from IMDb? I guess. <laughs> I guess. Okay, so the original bus, the uh, Union De- Jack Spice bus, mm-hmm. double-decker bus, icon, uh, was a real prop and is now on display in the Isle of Wight. Why? Because <laughs> it's an icon of British culture, I guess. Why in the Isle of Wight? I don't know. Oh, okay. Is there a famous bus museum there, or...? Is there a Spice uh, Girls museum there? Oh, maybe. Okay. I'd go to that. Um, the movie is listed among the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made. How high? I don't know. The, I'm literally just reading the trivia, so I don't know, I'm afraid. Um, two real-world deaths after filming prompted edits to the movie. Mentions of Princess Diana and Gianni Versace were made in the movie because they were alive when it was filmed, but they died before it was released. Yikes. Yep. Oh, I've got a, I've got a worse one for you. Where, did it, where was it? So the, the song, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the leader. The one, the one they sing Maybe with the I, naked boys. I only know the Spice Girls song. Mm. The one where they dance with the naked boys. Okay. Um, that was a song by Gary Glitter. Do you know who Gary Glitter is? No. He was a big star who was convicted of child pornography. Star of what? Just TV music entertainment star and his name was gary glitter mm-hmm. boy that's not where i thought that was going at all so anyway he had he did have a cameo in it but he got charged just before the movie was coming out so uh-huh. they cut his part out but they didn't cut the that song out okay, which i think right. is kind of weird actually because it didn't need that song in it it was a weird aside yeah yeah um, so anyway, but that song and My Boy Lollipop were the only two songs in it that weren't the Spice Girls. The rest of them are all original Spice Girls songs. That Lollipop song wasn't mm-hmm. theirs? Nope. Whose is that? Do you know? Uh, let me, let me just find that out for you. Because it's definitely not the Lollipop song. What's the Lollipop song? Okay, I'm going to sing it with absolutely no melody, okay? Lollipop, lollipop, oh lolly, lollipop, lollipop. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Um, I I don't I don't know which one you're talking about. Funny enough, but my boy lollipop was. It just says written by Johnny Roberts and Morris Levy, performed by Millie Small and the Spice Girls for this particular performance of it. But no, it's it's not their song. Um, so 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 many people had cameos in this, but there was actually several cameos that got cut out, including Gary Glitters. Um, Jason Isaacs had a cameo that had been cut out as a pretentious author and poet. Huh. Gary Oldman wanted to be in the movie, um, as his sons were so into the Spice Girls, but he couldn't make it do it. He couldn't do it due to scheduling commitments. 
Um, Stephen Fry, who is the judge in a daydream scene uh-huh. and sentences them to a life of no fame and not being in the charts and things. Yeah. He admits that he took on the role because it allowed him to get autographed posters of the Spice Girls for his nephews, which he claimed was like 10 Christmases for them. So I feel like a lot of the people... Sure, why not? ...that were in this did it because their kids were into it. Yeah. Like, so um, Richard E. Grant, who's the manager in it, who's also a pretty big star um, in films and TV and stuff, he did it because his daughters were into it. Hmm. Um, and he wanted autographs from them and stuff. The movie broke the record for the highest ever weekend debut for Super Bowl weekend with box office sales of ten billion dollars on opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Wait, say it. This, this is, I read it exactly. I said that's really weird. The movie broke the record for the highest ever weekend debut for Super Bowl weekend with box office sales of ten billion dollars. Ten point five billion dollars. Huh. Yeah. I assume it's just the movie that comes out on Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, it must be. But ten billion? Mm-hmm. You sure that's not ten million? Oh yeah, no, yeah, ten million. Okay, okay 10 sorry. Million. I was like I just can't read numbers. Avengers just came out and made only made like a billion. Mm. Something else I wanted to tell him, just reading, reading through. Oh, yeah. So, um, five months after the this was released in cinemas, and which you know is supposed to be there, they were already super famous. But this was the extra bit of fame and blah right. blah blah. Right. Five months after it, Jerry Halliwell left, and she posh. No, she's Ginger. Right. Which Spice Girl is she? Ginger. I, I know which hair <laughs> color she has. That is her spice persona. Um, and they they did carry on as a four for one album, but then they they also went their separate ways. They've had two reunion tours since then, though. maybe even three. Is was was Ginger the one that married David Beckham? No, that was Posh. Mm. I thought she. I always thought she left first. No, she but she. Followed after Jerry Halliwell. Hmm. Jerry Halliwell broke out on her own and sang It's Raining Men. No kidding. Mm. I mean, she wasn't the original. It was a cover. But... Oh, never mind. So yeah, that was her. that was Spice World. I, I knew you'd hate it. I didn't know I'd love it as much as I did. Again. Brought me back. Two minutes Oh, Oh, but though we should mention definitely... Um, that now I can't listen to the Spice Girls ever again. No, hang on. Okay, we're going to have to have a broader conversation about this because that's not true. Yeah. So there's a a lyric in... Spice Up Your Life. Spice Up Your Life, which is pretty unfortunately racist. Oh, it's super racist. Uh, And I had no idea I've been singing this. My entire life. Yeah, it's it, the the line is basically it's the the yellow man in Tibet or something. Yeah, and, yellow uh, man in um, Timbuktu. Yeah, and it mentions kung fu fighting. And, oh god. Yeah. Oh. Now they've taken that line out, and they fixed several other songs similarly. Mm. How? How do you respond to that? Is your blanket reaction just, well, can't listen to them anymore? That's my first reaction, but the fact that they have changed it and they have accepted that responsibility and realized that that's not okay, that does mean something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it goes the full way, but for, for me, this whole culture of everything is like... If you apologize for something stupid you did and you mean it and you do it sincerely, then you have a chance of redemption. You know? Definitely. And I think because, for me, because that stuff is out there, the damage is done. And yeah. like you say, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, you 
you can apologize for it for sure and but then i think at least in in my point of view it's sort of on you as the listener to discern and admit that that's you know yeah that's problematic it sure does suck yeah um I mean, it's going back to comics as usual. It's the same thing with Tintin, which is super yeah. racist. And there's so many arguments between people of like whether you should preserve the art and the history of it. But it's also super racist and you don't want to see that. And you also don't want to present that image to kids particularly. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a tough one. And yes, we do need to have a bigger conversation about this. Because it's a difficult... Yeah. And we have this whole thing of like, oh, it's ruined it for us. And it's like, well, yes, it has. Because like, I genuinely, that genuinely shocked me. I had never heard that before. And it really did. I was like, oh, I can never listen to these again. You know, that was my first gut reaction. Yeah. See, I don't know. I think that's, I think it, it certainly is uh, shattering, but it's you know I, I think I think when you readily admit that it's problematic and you mm-hmm. you know don't you don't like you are not the one that has to apologize for it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, so that was Spice World. What are we gonna watch next? Oh boy, we are gonna have to have a conversation about these films because mine is on a whole different level oh no (laughs) all right (sighs) so that was cool hand luke Mm -hmm. like i said we really gotta coordinate these um these these film yep yep days it probably says a lot that i pick kids fun things and you pick the most bloody depressing things that you could ever do i thought you loved me the last one was mash mm-hmm. was the rough one yep to be fair for mash i didn't actually pick that episode no. i got advice for that episode. and we did we did watch more mash yeah while we were in the u.s so you got yeah so you did put pick up what i was putting down yeah for mash uh but this one yeah it's just uh it's a slog of a movie. Yep. Te- tell me about it. Tell me what you think and if you like it and why you picked it. I, okay, so why I picked it is very easy. Uh, the Zootons video uh, where they're in prison. I don't remember which mm, one it was. Yeah. That's what made me think of it. Oh, okay. Um, and since we picked it, I just went, oh yeah, cool. Hey, and Luke. All right, cool. Um i i do like it i think it is uh and i like it a lot more than i think any other prison film Mm. well i like it more than any other prison film because it's while it does end with a lot of cruelty and you know there is a lot of um abuse at the hands of the state I do find it to be, I guess uh, this is going to sound dumb, but a film about sort of the indomitable human will. Yeah. (laughs) I, I really hated it. I really, really did. It was, I, I appreciate the art of it and the shots were nice and in 1967 like yeah they were trying to do things with film yeah that was cool yeah the idea behind it yeah fine whatever we have moved on from that i am tired of seeing stupid petulant boys do stuff like that and i i didn't like it like what you know like oh well i'm just gonna be a jack the lad and this means I don't have to follow the rules and I'm above everybody else and I don't have any consequences because they can't beat me. Hmm. I am particularly tired of that in White Men. I get that. 
You, you know I what get, I mean? Yes. Like in 1967, fine. That was a fairly new concept for media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we've moved on a lot since then. And how many thousands of movies have we had about that now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You So you see it as they can't keep can't keep me down in like a cocky way yes absolutely hmm. yeah no i think it's, <laughs> i think it's a very uh very valuable read um but i guess i guess my my question to that i think is at what point was it okay so uh, the film cool hand luke is about a, a guy called luke who gets who goes to uh, prison for cutting the heads off of uh, parking meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes to prison, joins a chain gang, mm-hmm. and um, kind of proves himself by pushing. Push. Uh, he he won't stay down mm-hmm. during a fight where he's clearly outmatched. Mm. Um, and the same with the guards, and he he plays by his own rules, and that kind of gains him the respect of the. The other prisoners. Yeah. For, so for me, it turns against him after his mother dies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the, that is an interesting part of it because he's all swagger and everything. And then he gets a letter that his mother has died and they put him in solitary confinement. He didn't do anything. For a day and a half. More than that, I think. Okay, I thought that. I thought the uh, I thought they said in the film that it was a day and a half that he was in it. I thought it was more. Okay. But he point, had point is yeah. he didn't do anything to earn but, that. Yeah, but they said you'll start getting ideas about running away, so we're gonna just lock you away. Yeah. And and that is where you see the change in his attitude and the attitude towards him. Which, yeah, is interesting, but I don't know. It was also very, very long. It was this... <laughs> this, Yeah, this is another one of those films that is oppressively long. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, just back then, the, the pacing wasn't as fast as we're used yeah. to now. And I think we have talked about this before, is that we kind of consume media really quickly. Yeah. And now in movies lots of things happen in yeah. quick succession. Yeah. And when you just, like, the egg scene, so he bets everybody that he can eat 50 eggs, and that was, like, 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, there's no need for this. Like, come on. Yeah. I don't know. I, like I say, I do appreciate the art behind it, and I do, I do appreciate the questions it asks. Mm. Because, you know, at that turning point, when they lock him away, it... Like you said, it's not a prison where they they completely mistreat them and abuse them, even yeah. though obviously they do. It's not Oz. What? Well, if you don't know that one, just keep it. Keep your innocence. Okay. Um. But it's it's the thing of they're always at the prisoners are always at their mercy. They can turn anytime they want, and they have the power over them. Uh huh. And blah blah blah. So, like I say, I appreciate it. It uh, doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I mean, cinematically, it was beautifully done. Yeah. And the, the shots are really cool, and they've experimented a lot with those kind of shots, and some of them are really, really nice. Yeah. Kind of a bit more arty mm-hmm. than traditional I think this was Paul Newman's big breakout I, I role. I bet, yeah. Um, I did look up when Chen, Chain Gangs finished, and it went on right up until 1995 in Arizona. They they basically hmm. outlawed it in the 70s. Yeah. But then they kept bringing it back, being like, "Oh, but we just we just thought we'd try," and because just, the city needs some some labor, so it's just state sponsored slave yep. labor. And I mean, it was, so I, I did look it up. Um, it was all the, the southern slavery states, Georgia, Texas, well, Alabama. I, I would have put the last ones to 
to sort of filter it out kind of in that yeah. area. Yeah, but it was, I don't think it existed anywhere else. It was primarily Sutherland. And a lot of it was about, because um, a line in the in the law that outlaws slavery says um, slavery is illegal in the case of no crime. Mm. So they use chain gangs as keeping slavery going, essentially. Yeah. And then it, uh, so of course it was predominantly black people. Um, and then they did do the, obviously the white ones as well. Who were criminals. Yeah. Yeah. Because they realized that it's, it is slavery. It's free labor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it made me, it made me look that up. So. You learned, got something out <laughs> of it. That's, yeah. It's also just like, I'm very, very tired today. I didn't sleep very well. And. Mm. I think that was a bit too heavy for. You could sleep through this movie. Easy. Yeah, I there was easy. a couple of times when I dozed off. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, I, I've slept through this movie two or three times. <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't remember how long it is. And actually, well, it's it's two hours, but it just feels yeah horrifically long. Well, and the thing is, like, a lot happens in this movie. I think, but a lot of it also doesn't ever really feel well so i know i actually i took exactly one note because i felt like nothing happened in the whole thing (laughs) except that horrifically sexist car wash scene where the woman rubs her boobs all over the car in front of the chain gang and that made me want to throw up (laughs) so i read outrageously sexist horrific so i i was looking up IMDb trivia for it, uh, both during the film and and uh, yesterday, um, and the actress who played that said that she didn't intentionally play it sexually, and she she said she's always seen herself as sort of naive and innocent. So when it premiered and she saw it, she said she was a little embarrassed. I don't know if I buy that. No. She rubbed her breasts over the doors of the car and then licked the sponge (laughs) several times and then um, basically did something naughty to the hose pipe. Like, come on. She drank from it. Like, it wasn't... No, 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 no. But the first thing when she was turning it on... I guess I I missed it. When she was, it's okay. It's a... <laughs> I got you. We don't have to. We don't want to lose our expl... our clean lyrics tag. <laughs> it's fine. But no, that was really horrific. Especially when you go from the feminism of the wonderful Spice World to this. Yeah, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I... yeah, that was cool. Hey, Luke, I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I... I there's not much to say about it. I do like the film and i think i i do appreciate it on a um it's one of the few films that i think i do really really appreciate on a, a cinematic level mm. as well as uh storytelling mm. um well, i was just thinking we, we mentioned the beatles hard day's night that was 68 mm-hmm. maybe it would have been better to do that one kind of yeah maybe go in the in maybe. the same time period <laughs> Like I say, we got to start coordinating yeah. this stuff. Can you just be a bit more cheerful, please? Have we met? <laughs> all the look, all the media I consume. You think I? <laughs> yes, yeah, so do I, dude. Like, it's funny though, because all the media I consume are comic books and cartoons. Like, mm-hmm. you'd think I'd be, a, I don't know, a little more cheerful. I mm. guess I don't know. Anyway, all right. That's a battle I lost a long time ago. <laughs> Let's uh, get through this and uh, spin the wheel. Mm-hmm. History. Hmm. All right. Okay. Hmm. The last history one we did was I enjoyed. Yeah. Good. We'll All right. Figure this one out. You can find the show on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Spreaker, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're listening to this, you found us. Keep it up. You're doing great. Uh, If you want to write into the show uh, with your uh, wheel suggestions and 
Um, anything you want us to know about, uh, we would still still uh, love to hear about your summer vacation. And if you uh, don't get that in soon, we will throw it in the trash. So um, I've just had a thought that we could do. Maybe on Twitter we could do polls. When we talk about each of our things, we could do little votes on who likes what better. I mean, it won't be a contest, really. Yours are generally a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. Speaking of Twitter, we are at Gone Global Pod on Twitter, and um, the email address is goneglobalpod at gmail.com. So please write in, rate, and review. Um, the more you review, the higher we go in the charts, and we can get people to see us, and that is important. It's a broken system, but it's the one we got. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jan91, J-I-A-N-91. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, you can find my work at KaleWard.com, that's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com, uh, where you'll find my comics work and my podcast work. I do another podcast about the trending news in comic books uh, called The Comics Pals, and... Uh, We'd uh, really love it if you gave it a listen. Um, is that all? I think so. Okay, well, don't forget, the lady loves milk tray. Can you buy me some to make, make up for the... No. Nope. <laughs>